Authenticator Cavier, BQ.fm, RockerTalk.com. I'm Eddie Yerg on the Rocker Talk. This is Straight Talk with Jeffrey Candelaria, and he is here every Saturday, 1 p.m., right here in the Kiva, to present uh, some of the most interesting talk in all of Albuquerque, and we're absolutely uh, glad to have him here on our airwaves right here in the Kiva. Jeffrey, take it away. Thank you again, Eddie Aragon, for producing Straight Talk with Jeffrey uh, Candelaria. We're with you every Saturday from 1 to 2 p.m. on 1600 Kiva AM. That's amplitude modulation. Don't forget to tell your friends about Straight Talk with Jeffrey Candelaria and listen to Kiva 1600 uh, AM. I listen to Kiva uh, on my way to sleep and when I wake up in the morning. My guest today and our topic is your health amid what I call the Chinese virus political interventions and we're also going to talk a little bit about how small business has been able to survive or not so much so uh, through this uh, pandemic over a year and a half now with Dr. Eric Dahl, co-owner of Apollo Chiropractic. Dr. Eric Dahl, welcome to Straight Talk with Jeffrey Candelaria. Thank you. I'm happy to be back. So give us a little bit of information about you as a business owner and a chiropractor, but also uh, as a prelude to that, you were an Air Force officer and served in the military, so a little a little catch-up on your, your bio, if you will, Dr. Dahl. Right. So uh, my name is Dr. Eric Dahl, and I own Apollo Chiropractic Health and Wellness, along with my wife, Emma. And uh, we're located in Albuquerque's west side. And so I've been a practicing chiropractor for seven years, and that is uh, after my uh, Air Force career of 20 years. I was 20-year uh, Air Force officer and retired out of Kirtland Air Force Base. And uh, ch- second choice of career for becoming a chiropractor was shortly before I retired from the Air Force. I was getting chiropractic care, and it uh, changed my health, changed my life, and I wanted to basically to spread the love. Straight talk with Jeffrey Candler. My guest is Dr. Eric Dahl, co-owner of Apollo Chiropractic, and we're talking about your health amid the Chinese virus and political interventions because politics has played a, a role in our health over the country, and it also has played a role depending on what state you are in. And we're also going to talk a little bit about business survivability. So you served in the Air Force when Kirtland actually had jets. Yes, I did. I used to, my uh, last my last job, I had a window, uh, finally had a window office, and I got to see the F-16 tacos take off every day. Sad well, that we don't have jets any longer at Kirtland. It, it is, it is. I, I miss the, I miss the tacos. Absolutely. All right, so let's talk, uh, before we kind of get into these various health issues that all of us deal with as part of the human experience, as Homo sapiens, by the way, um, what is chiropractic for our uh, listeners? So, chiropractic is a uh, field of healthcare that was uh, developed in uh, the uh, late 1800s, 1895, by uh, Dr. David Palmer in um, uh, Iowa. And so, what was discovered was that doing manipulations with the spine by doing manual manipulations with the spine, adjusting the spine to remove subluxations, that nervous system flow increased in the body to the point where pain was reduced, inflammation was reduced, people's health uh, improved, and just generalized well-being. And so kind of the idea with uh, chiropractic health, and not that we don't treat a whole spectrum of of conditions, but ideally a a chiropractic uh, patient is somebody that may not be feeling well, but is still in, in a state of health, yeah. that their body recovers well, that they can uh, take the adjustments and then improve upon that. And so we try to pe- get people back to a healthy state of living, a healthier state of living, 
before disease processes set in. My guest, Dr. Eric Dahl, co-owner of Apollo Chiropractic, a, a very learned man in various disciplines and capacities. We are friends because when I go and get my monthly chiropractic uh, uh, session or, or engage in that session, we talk everything from you know the Roman Republic to uh, you know extraterrestrials uh, emanating from zeta reticuli all the way to you know Newtonian physics. And so you have a curious mind, and that's why I enjoy having you on the show because you're not just uh, constrained to your chiropractic discipline, right, Doctor? Oh no, no. I, th- I think chiropractic uh, discipline is one just one small sliver of uh, my overall personality and aspect. I do have a very curious mind. Yeah. And have always engaged in in uh, and uh, discussion, arguments, rhetoric of uh, you know pushing the envelope of human knowledge. And yeah, I'll, I'll digress for a minute. There's a new physics uh, theory that may supplant general relativity, string theory, and everything that that dictates or says that the universe never had a beginning because space and time does not fit into the general theory of relativity singularity calculus. At any rate, I digress. The point is, for our listeners, there's a new theory that is out that states the universe may never had a beginning, never will have an end, because space and time in and of itself uh, occupies chunks of an actual material at the quantum level. We'll talk about that right. another time, Doctor. Oh, I'd love to. All right, so one of the things that uh, I always always ask you about is the structure of our skeletal system. And so, obviously, it's something like 78% of all Americans have back issues and neck issues. Mm-hmm. Last I checked, the neck and spine are related. Is the And I think I may have asked you this uh, before on another radio uh, program years ago. Is our structure, our framework, the architecture created by God, evolution, both, is it flawed? Is the spinal framework, in your opinion, I'm just asking, mm-hmm. is it flawed? And is that why we have so many back issues? Or is it because we've become much more sedentary living in urban environments? And what are your mm-hmm. theories about or your thoughts on Back pain and neck pain, especially. Right. So I, you know, there's there's a, there's a, an amount of yes into all, all those uh, all those aspects. And so from the the standpoint that um, we are as 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 erect human beings, we walk on two feet versus four feet. The um, the transition from from you know our spine being in a horizontal position as a quadruped would be. Um, where there's much less stress on the, on the spinal joints uh, to becoming erect, where now we have gravity working and the weight of our bodies working against us, the shock absorbers that lie between the bones in, in our back, um, the discs, they uh, were never evolutionarily designed to take the weight of an of, of a, of a upright animal being, upright vertebrae. Fascinating. Okay. And so when you look at, you know, quadrupeds, uh, you know, your cat, your dog, your elephant, your lion, um, they they have a spine just like ours. They have they have vertebrae, they have discs just like ours. But since the weight is distributed through their arm arm and leg joints, their back has much less uh, their discs have much less um, uh, plus compression the weight upon is them. distributed four ways yes. as opposed to two ways. Exactly, exactly. So 
the fact that uh, humans uh, we stand upright and and the fact that the weight of our our all the way from our head down to our our waist all that weight weight has to be distributed in into the discs of our back. Eventually, over time, they become uh, uh, you know uh, through microtrauma become more compromised. damaged, compromised. More compromised. That's that's a better way to say it. And straight talk with Jeffrey Candler. Come on, doctor. Hey. I know. I know. <laughs> and anyway, but, what you're saying, and it's interesting, is from an evolutionary perspective, if we put our evolutionary hat on, right. when we went from Australopithecus to, you know, Homo erectus to whatever, Homo sapien, now we're Homo sapien sapien or whatever. Right. We have evolved in lots of ways. Our brain capacity, skull capacity has grown, all these other things, uh, our thumbs and all that. But maybe yeah. the back literally hasn't caught up to our erect posturing over the last 50,000 years? I would, I would definitely say that's true. And, uh, in fact, you know, when you look at the other great uh, primates, such as the gorillas uh, and chimpanzees, you know, they, they may sit in an erect position. They may do a few things, but they don't typically walk erect. If they need to get somewhere quickly, they, they're, they're on all fours. Yeah. And so, again, that weight is, distri- is distributed into the joints of the arms and the legs. Um, versus the back, uh, you know, we humans, even walking, running, playing our sports, sitting down all the time, all you know, unless we're sleeping and laying down, we don't distribute the weight in our spine horizontally. Yeah, and then the other thing that happened to Homo sapien, particularly in this country, that is the U.S., whatever's left of it now, because of I won't talk about the president. At any rate, because of uh, moving from agrarian to urban settings, because keep in mind, Mm -hmm. as recent as about 150 years ago, 90% of the entire population was in a a ranch or an agrarian setting. Now, 90% or more of that population is in an urban setting. And what that means to the physicality of mankind is we are now sitting in chairs, doing office work, more sedentary kind of lifestyle. Mm -hmm. So that probably has another impact we're going to continue to talk about health, but on right. our backs, right? right? Oh, absolutely, and and the fact that uh, it's just been really a a twentieth, nineteenth, uh, or yeah, nineteenth and twentieth, twenty first century phenomenon that we sit so much as we do, and that we have a surplus of food, and that we eat more calories than than, than we than we burn, and that uh, our weight has steadily increased, uh, especially in the last fifty years. And now approximately one-third of, of the U.S. population, maybe even 40%, is considered obese. Not overweight, but obese. Oh, yeah, morbidly obese. I say, I've relayed this story, again, straight talk with Jeffrey Candelaria. You know, don't get mad, listeners, but I mean, I was in Las Vegas, Nevada five months ago. I'm, I'm saying, and this is antidotal, but 75% of every human being I interacted with was obese to morbidly obese. Right. And it was astounding to me. I remember being a kid, and I was kind of chubby, but rarely did you have FAT people walking, you know, just in, in classrooms. Right. And I'm not trying to offend anybody. I know the left gets offended when you say anything, but I'm, I'm talking straight talk here, right? Right, right. And the fact is, people have gotten fat over the last, what is it, 10, 20 years especially? Especially, yeah. Uh, and, and, and some of that is right. because of sedentary lifestyle. A lot of it is because we have access to food. Right. Because just surviving 100 years ago, anywhere on the planet, 
you know, you're lucky if you were 50 years of age, 60 years of age, right? Right. Lifespans have also increased. But access to food, to your point. Yeah, absolutely. Access to food and, and the right kinds of food or the wrong kinds of food. Um, the uh, and I know we'll talk a little bit more about this in a bit, but the the whole way that we eat has changed. I, I'm not saying I'm not saying even what we the way we eat uh, has changed uh, in the last uh, you know 30, 40, 50 years, and the fact that we no longer you know how how you know how many families can you go to that they have a sit down dinner every night that was cooked at home, and people sit around the table and that's rare. And eat, it's rare. It's rare, and and that's but that's the that was the era that you and I grew up in, yeah. and uh, so you know even that change that the, the way of eating the interaction of eating the relationship of of food to person and family has changed. Yeah, and who does become entertainment? Uh, the way I see the way it's positioned on you know TV, right. movies, pop culture, food has almost become an entertainment thing. Hey, you know, eat Cheetos and you know sit on the couch and you know. Uh, I don't know, watch porn or whatever the hell they're saying, but it's but always it, yep. pushing these foods that aren't necessarily healthy, right? And making associated with have fun and be entertained, right. While you're doing it, and it seems like we collectively have kind of bought into some a lot of that, right? Right. And then the access to food that isn't necessarily good is everywhere. I'm driving to the studio, mm-hmm. you know, I'm passing. You know, hamburger places, pizza <laughs> places, taco places, right. with lots of sodium, lots of cheese, lots of fat, lots of process, and it tastes pretty good. Right. But it's not necessarily good for you. Right. Right. So, so you know, we shouldn't mistake the fact that we have access to, to the fast food outlets as as nutrition. That's you know, and, and I know we want to talk about this later, but 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 eating at at a fast food restaurant, you're really talking about malnutrition. Because the, the 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 content of the food, it's calorie dense, it's uh, um, it, it's it's made with processed materials, and it's nutrient deficient. Yeah. So it is truly just a filler for your stomach until you can you can graze the next time. Yeah, and I don't know that our country, through leadership, through messaging, through just self discipline, as again straight talk with Jeffrey Candler, my guest is Eric, uh, Doctor Eric Dahl, uh, owner of Apollo Chiropractic. I don't know that we've collectively done a good job of saying to our population as kids, as teenagers, as adults, as seniors, you need to take responsibility for your health. Right. It seems like we've become very reactive. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we find ourselves in health situations right. and then we're reacting. So it's a reactive healthcare kind of messaging and almost system, maybe by design, I don't know. But instead of being proactive with our health, Right. It seems like it's a reactive kind of a model. It's uh, the the whole healthcare system is a reactive kind of model, and in fact, you know what we could really call our standard medical care system is really a sick care system, not a healthcare system, because it's designed to treat people with illness. Yeah. Um, versus, you know, again, I'll circle it back to chiropractic or other more natural forms of healthcare. We again, we like to begin our interventions with healthy people. Uh, and, and people say, well, you know, why should I go see a chiropractor if I'm not feeling bad? Well, why do you go see your dentist every six months? Your teeth are relatively healthy. You brush your teeth every day. You floss, yeah. you know. But you go to the dentist every six months, and the, dent- the dental industry has done a fantastic job of educating people that way. Yeah. Uh, in fact, you know, you can probably remember back in elementary school, you had a, a dentist or somebody come visit you with toothbrushes and things like that. Yeah. And so what, what you know, dental health has done in terms of prevention 
is fantastic. Yeah. And that's what we should be doing with other other forms of physical but, health and body from health. From a business perspective, you, you, you know this, there are too many industries and too many stakeholders that like our system as it is. Oh, of course. Because, you know, the pharmaceutical companies make zillions of dollars. And I'm not, I guess yeah. I, I have to be careful how I say this, but they're glad that you have bleeding ulcers and GERD and all these other things because yep. they make, you know, literally billions of dollars prescribing right. these medis- medications that are just responding right. to the issue to begin with. Right. And that's such a, a big thing with, you know, and, and I'm not trying to, you know, throw a whole blanket over it, but, but so much of the pharmaceutical industry and, 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 and pharmaceutical industrial system is designed for to maintain people's condition through continuous prescription care. Of course. Versus curing the condition yeah. uh, to where you would not need that medication. Yeah, because you're not you're not dealing with the the origins right. of, of the of the of the pro, of the malady. Right. You're dealing with the symptoms and the symptomatic model of healthcare or sick care in our system. Right. Generates trillions of dollars. Right. I mean, look at it, the. Look at the Chinese virus, okay? I happen to think the whole thing is layered with a lot of manipulation and government intervention. Uh, I, I'm not vaccinated. I refuse to unless I have to uh, go to a cruise in a year from now and I have to get vaccinated. I might do it. But my wife uh, had the booster shot. She's sick for four days. When she had the initial shot, sick for three days. The point is, even the booster shot by by Johnson, Johnson, whatever, do you know how many billions of dollars that company is making to initiate booster shots for uh, 330 million Americans? Well, it's, it, and that's, and that's where, you know, and, and personally I, I'm, I'm the, in this sense for the coronavirus, I am a pro-vax person yeah, no, uh, because that, I think that's, that's what, what's going to get us out of it. However, the, um, you know, the fact that we can, we can, you know, get, get the, get the vaccine and in the sense that, the pharmaceutical companies did develop it. They're getting a huge chunk of change from the government, who's 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 buying it. Billions let, of let, dollars. Yeah, let's 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 not make any. Well, any that's bones what I'm about saying it. is we're attaching business right. to the healthcare system yes. as it exists, and and then you add the layer of politics on top of that. And our listeners should be wise enough to understand you can't compartmentalize those. It's business, it's sick care, and it's politics. Right. Right. But in 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 the in the fact that uh, uh, the, the the pharmaceutical industry and, and away from the vaccines for a moment, but if you have a, a lifetime customer that that needs to take diabetic medic, diabetes medication, uh, uh, you, you have a lifetime customer. You know somebody Absolutely. somebody that's paying paying your into your company for the next you know twenty to forty years. Yeah, and that's just one person. That's one person, right? And so, and so you know there's there's this um, dissuasion from finding cures versus finding treatments. Absolutely. And All right, let's go into some other practical, or so, let's get in some practical talk. Again, Dr. Eric Dahl, owner of Chiropractic with his wife, Emma, and we're talking today about your health amid the, uh, what I call the Chinese virus, politics, business, all these interventions, and we're going to talk a little bit about small business survivability. So there's a recent report, uh, th- that's what's interesting about healthcare, it's like science, there's nothing permanent about science necessarily it's always evolving and changing right uh their recent report that older adults uh should now ward away from or be reticent about taking aspirin to ward off um heart attacks or strokes and for the longest time 
we were told, you know, take one aspirin a day to ward off stroke and heart attack. Now, this recent report um, tells us the reverse. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I, sh- I sure do. In fact, the um, again, this is uh, looking at uh, uh, healthcare, healthcare versus sick care. And so this is an interesting study, and um, uh, I can't remember who uh, uh, sponsored the study. I know it's there in the article. But it, uh, it's a respected group, and so it's not taken lightly. And the fact that they mentioned that, and, and it's really a breakdown, and, and this is, has to do with prevention of the first heart attack. And so if you're a person that has not had a heart attack, it is basically saying if you're over 60 years old, um, you may be at higher risk of causing harm to yourself by taking the daily aspirin. If you have not had a heart attack. If you have not had a heart attack. And so, uh, but the increased risks due to uh, bleeding and gastric distress, particularly gastric ulcers or intestinal ulcers. And so, um, you know, there there are, you know, let's face it, uh, an aspirin, it's a very innocuous name, but it is a medication. And it's uh, classified in the non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs, uh, NSAIDs. And so NSAIDs, again, should only be taken uh for transitory conditions, the headache. Ephemeral, temporary situations. Right, right. Not on a permanent... And by the no. way, we're not giving medical advice. No. We are simply stating... Uh, we're, we're, we're citing from an article. Right. So I want our listeners to know we're not, we're not advising anybody with anything. No. We just want to give you some information that's just been put forth. Right. And by the way, that entity was the U.S. United States Preventative Services Task Force. There you go. Right, right. Yeah. So, so incredible institution very credible institution and so basically what what, what, the, what the article uh, comes down to say is that if you're over 60 and had not had a heart attack the risks of taking a daily aspirin may be higher um, due to complications because it thins your blood it thins your blood ca- could cause bleeding intestinal bleeding um, internal bleeding uh, because as, as we get older our tissues become more fragile and so the risk of bleeding increases um, the aspirin inhibits the coagulation process of the platelets. And therefore, you could bleed internally uh, to possibly a severe level, you know, severe illness or death. Um, and so then in the, in, the, in the 50, you know, 50 to 59-year-old age range, the study was inconclusive. And it did say for those that are um, uh, before the age of 50, uh, 40, the 40 to 50-year-olds um, may have a slightly beneficial effect. But kind of, again, the thought process of taking an aspirin as a preventative measure uh, for um, a heart attack is, or stroke is we're trying to kid ourselves about our other risks, our lifestyle risks. So, you know, what are the lifestyle risks that make us susceptible to a heart attack? Things that, you know, and this is where, you know, we can look at, what we do to our bodies, and, and you brought it up earlier, that we are you know, in control of our bodies, and we, we need to take that personal responsibility. So if you're going to eat a poor diet, uh, eat inflammatory foods, or, and engage in, in activities that would cause uh, infl- you know, chronic inflammation in the body, your cardiovascular system is going to react with increased cholesterol, increased triglycerides in the, in the bloodstream, and therefore lead to possibly uh, uh, atherosclerosis or arteriosclerosis, which is the precursor to beginning the process of cardiovascular disease and a heart attack. So what would you rather do, take the daily aspirin or change your lifestyle and become healthier? Yeah. 
What and once again, you know, a lot of what I put forth on the show, straight talk with Jeffrey Candler, a lot, lots of folks don't like to hear a lot of it because truth and the truth of the matter is, being accountable, self determination, being healthy, it's it's not easy. It's not easy to stay away from you know that extra slice of pizza, maybe mm-hmm. have a salad with not ranch dressing, but maybe a hint of oil, olive and, oil, and and yeah. olive oil and some pepper. And it's not easy to stay away from, you know, that triple cheeseburger. Maybe you just get one hamburger without cheese and take the bread off. And, you know, I do I do a lot of this. It drives my mm-hmm. wife crazy, mm-hmm. but I don't apologize for it. It's very difficult to, to stay away from all these lustful, you know, uh, these uh, presentations right. of food that's so available to us. Right. But if we're serious about, you know, uh, our health, whoever we is, mm-hmm. you know, it's self-determination, discipline, hard right. work, exercise. Right. Doesn't It doesn't just happen. Right. At any rate, that's another reason why I appreciate going to you as a chiropractor because you're, you're very well-versed on other areas beyond your own discipline. Again, my guest on Straight Talk with Jeffrey Candelaria. We're with you every Saturday. Thank you, Eddie Aragon, for producing the show uh, from 1 to 2 p.m. Tell your friends. Uh, it's a, I think, a very fascinating show, and I try to pull no punches, and I try to be very direct with myself, other people. I call out my own hypocrisy on the show, but it doesn't own me, and I think it's a, it's a very authentic way of presenting uh, mm-hmm. material. So, again, getting uh, before we leave this aspirin study, please emphasize we're not giving advice. No, we're not. So, folks that are taking aspirin or have thought about it, consult your doctor exactly. or a medical professional particularly uh, cite this article that came out because it's a pretty uh, watershed wa- article, really. It's, it, it's pretty, it's, it may set a precedent. It, it, it may. And, and so this is, you know, this is a, the, the, one of the first articles or studies to indicate, you know, that, that, this, and that, that there may be a, a, an underlying danger to the NSAIDs. And NSAIDs in general, and I mentioned this earlier, that, you know, NSAIDs, should only be taken. So NSAIDs or aspirins or NSAIDs. Uh, NSAID, so what co- goes in your NSAID categories, even though they're they're chemically different, are aspirin, uh, Tylenol, ibuprofen, uh, naproxen sodium or Aleve, I think it is, um, uh, and and then the other prescription heavier dose uh, NSAIDs. So these are medications that do not have any opioid painkillers in them, and so what? what so they, they're not addictive. They're not addictive. They um, Work on uh, their non-steroids, so they they don't have any 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 steroidal effects, uh, but they're an anti-inflammatory drug. So they basically block the signaling process that that triggers inflammation in the body, primarily through the with the, the prostaglandin inflammation cascade uh, system that 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 the body uses to signal inflammation. Yeah. Inflammation is necessary or not necessary, and so uh, you can get. You know, just from your long-term effect, you can get better anti-inflammatory effects by eating healthy, uh, taking your, your, your proper fish oils and the proper EPA-DHA ratios and other natural types of anti-inflammatories that you can find in ginger and turmeric and curcumin and those sorts of things. Yeah. So what I'm gleaning from what you're saying, and again, we're not giving specific advice, just we're speaking in a general way. What yes. I'm gleaning from what you're saying is it, it would be okay to take ibuprofen or maybe aspirin for a temporary issue maybe right. twice a week or whatever right. but not all the time especially with this article right and again for those of you that want to cite this article 
It's called uh, older adults shouldn't aspirin or shouldn't use aspirin uh, daily to ward off heart attack. Again, not advice, but a new finding right. based on this institution that studies uh, these kinds of uh, chemistry and how it affects you know Homo, homo sapiens. Right. Again, Straight Talk with Jeffrey Candelari. We're with you every Saturday from 1 to 2 p.m. My guest is Dr. Eric Dahl. Uh, co-owner of Apollo, Apollo Chiropractic. You're on the west side. Where is your office? Yes, we're located on the uh, west side in Albuquerque in the Taylor Ranch area. Uh, closest cross streets are, uh, would be uh, uh, Golf Course and uh, Taylor Ranch Road. Yeah, and I can say, you know, quite openly that when I visit with you, uh, when I leave the office, I feel so much better. I mean, literally... And it's a temporary state, though, and you should yeah. remind your listeners that, right. you know, chiropractor, and I think you, you, chiropractic should be something that's a hybrid with other, you know, other modalities in right. your health lifestyle, but I can tell it helps me. Oh, it yeah. It does. And so, again, when you talk about the, the temporary effect, again, uh, a lot of times by the time I see somebody, you know, they haven't had treatments, so the, the effect, you know, initially may, you know, make them feel really good, but then, you know, it, it kind of, you know, I hate the word slide, but... But we kind of re- revert back to our previous state. Um, but again, in doing chiropractic health regularly, and when I when when we get somebody in a really good state and place, and and they're physically healthy, I might see a person only three to four times a year. Yeah. And 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 it's just like it's just like you know basically as I mentioned earlier with the dentist uh, type of thing, you see your dentist you know two or three times a year for, for a health checkup on your teeth. Same thing with the body. Yeah. And so. Um, what chiropractic can do, though, for the people in an acute condition is, such as after a car wreck or some sort of athletic injury, some sort of fall at home, we can get you back to restorative, uh, restoring their normal range of motion so that your body functions as it should. Yeah. And so when the, when the body's not functioning as it should, whether physically, um, in terms of, of, of its motion or in its terms of, of what kind of quality rest you can have, you're going to be putting your body under stress and it's preventing it from being its full healthy self. Yeah. And, and again, I'm not convinced that we, I always, I always say whoever we is because I hate what people say. We, it's like a supposition. Everybody knows what that, what we're talking about. That the bedding industry, that the mattress industry, that the pillow industry, because we spend 30% of our lives sleeping. Mm -hmm. Think about that. You're spending 30 years sleeping if you're 90 years of age. Right. I mean, think of it, 30 years, right? So 30 years of anything is a long time relative to, you know, this thing called the, t- the lifespan of Homo sapien. And if you're sleeping on a mattress or, you know, your posture's not good, mm-hmm. the pillow's not right. I mean, I've experimented with all kinds of mattresses. I finally have settled on a Casper uh, hybrid, and I'm not recommending it. I'm just telling what's good for me because I'm light. And, and the pillow guy, that goofy mm-hmm. guy gets on my nerves, but I like his pillow. And even then, my posturing, my pain when I wake mm-hmm. up has attenuated a bit, but still not, not that well. Mm-hmm. The point is, sleep, posturing, the kind of materials right. you're sleeping on has a, has a tremendous, profound effect on, on, our, on our pain uh, situation. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And so, you know, being able to have good quality rest is going to make the body just feel better uh, all around. And, um, you know, and, and, and if you don't mind me sharing this, the, the story, you know, because you do come see me, but uh, about a year ago, you were in a pretty bad bicycle wreck. Oh, yeah. And, uh, uh, you came in shortly thereafter and, and, and we had some more significant work at that time. Yes. And, but we got that, we got that taken care of and you've been doing pretty well ever since. Yeah. 
Yeah, I had a huge uh, catastrophe uh, wreck. I fell off and I was clipped in. For those of, you, of, of, of my listeners that know what clipping in means, you're tied to the bike. Right. And uh, I had a blowout and hit some sand, and it, it was an awful wreck. And I had a literally about a 11 to 12 inch bruise. Remember on my, yeah. you know, buttock right. area. Yep. Uh, Down upper, your leg. Upper thigh. Yep. Lower back. It was awful. But thanks to you and you know the good Lord, a lot of discipline. My wife, I you know I I'm fine. Right. But the, and the residual effects are pretty much gone. Let's transition because I want to also talk a little bit about you as a small business owner. We'll talk about that at the conclusion of the show. But I remember a, a very sagacious, wise Eastern doctor once said to me that inflammation was really the very foundation of, of health issues and pain. It is. Inflammation. Yep. So talk about this thing called inflammation okay <laughs> it has such a scary name it does <laughs> well it, it implies you know inflammation that that there's some sort of flame or hot hotness uh fire going on inside of us but inflammation is is actually an evolutionary miracle it really is uh we need inflammation in life and uh, but the idea of of organisms and you know humans being i guess at the top of the pyramid Inflammation is necessary to sustain life because inflammation is the signal that there's been some sort of assault or trauma on our body, and it's the chemical process by which our body recognizes that there's some, been some sort of assault or trauma, and it, and it initiates, first of all, stopping that um, uh, in, uh, insult or trauma and then beginning the healing process through chemical signal signaling devices that our body uses to to initiate a healing process. So the fact that when when you go, you know, you hit your thumb with a hammer and it hurts like heck, it turns red, it swells, that's a, that's an example of inflammation. You know, when, when, when you sprained an ankle playing basketball, that's an example of inflammation. But it's the way the body signals that there's been an injury and to send the proper chemicals, nutrients, blood flow, uh, white blood cells to to repair the injury. And that is completely normal, and that's the way the body should work. Mm-hmm. Now, what we tend to do as humans, um, because we live in a modern lifestyle, and we have processed foods, we live in industrial settings, we live in very sterile environments. We're sitting in chairs. We're sit- sitting in chairs, exactly. And, and we've now done things to ourselves that, instead of having that acute inflammation that I described earlier, we have constant chronic inflammation. Chronic or- Ongoing. Ongoing inflammation, right. And so what that ongoing inflammation does, if, it, if it's long for, you know, long sustained periods of time, then our body, uh, particularly through um, our adrenal glands, adrenal system, begins to produce a lot of cortisol in our body. And that cortisol, cortisol is, a, is produced in your adrenal glands. It is an extremely powerful anti-inflammatory. Um, when you get a cortisone shot, it is just an artificial form of cortisol that's been manufactured uh, outside the body that your medical doctor will inject you with because there may be a local area of inflammation that's just not you know, healing or is very painful and needs to be treated very strongly. And so, um, But that long-term effect of cortisol in the body has negative effects of uh, how our bodies process sugar. It makes our bodies tend to want to convert that sugar quickly to fat, and so we begin to store fat. 
We may have other um, adrenal-type issues, which may be related to sex hormones or um, uh, other hormones that the adrenal glands uh, produce. And so it has an overall deleterious effect on the body in that even though it's keeping us alive, it's trying to keep that chronic inflammation at bay, it's actually in the long term making us less healthy and then slowly killing us. And that increased cortisol, this is, this is, and you don't hear this very often, but one of the, probably the chief reasons people have high cholesterol in their body is because cortisol, that anti-inflammatory drug our body naturally makes, is made from our body's production of cholesterol. So when our body is sensing that we're in a state of inflammation, our own livers begin to produce more cholesterol, so it has a, a ready resource to produce the the cortisol that the body needs. So what are some natural ways that people with inflammation issues, I have them in my neck and back. Of course, I, I subject myself to uh, physical stress every day by biking and running, and I thank God I can still do it. Right. And I'm not trying to impress anybody, but, you know, I just I just do it. Right. Because my, just the thing I do. But it's a, as a consequence, I'm putting a lot of stress on my body. And so someone like me, our listeners who have a neck pain issue, whatever, mm-hmm. and it's there all the time, it's a chronic pain, there's inflammation. Are there some things people can do organically, naturally, to attenuate or to ward off some of that pain and discomfort and inflammation? Absolutely. And, and so the, the number one, probably in our own daily lives, and I'm talking the vast majority of people, it's not everybody, but the vast majority of people, is what we eat. We eat in our in our in our diet inflammatory foods that uh, the farming industry, the agriculture industry, the food industry has told us that are good for us. But for example, um, there are the um, the vegetables from the nightshade family. We think they're all incredibly healthy, but they actually have a, a lot of inflammatory lectins in them. So specific examples are specific examples in uh, the nightshade family are tomatoes, potatoes. Um, Eggplant, chili peppers. Sorry, folks. Oh, gee. Because if you look at it, if you look at a, if you look at a chili pepper and look at a tomato, if you cut them open, they look pretty much the same. Just yeah. you know, a little physically different. Um, and and chili is actually a fruit, not a not a vegetable. Yeah. Right. And but it, anyway, notwithstanding, yeah. so these these are accelerators to inflammation. Yes. Which are citing here. Okay. Other examples of foods that. Are actually accelerators to inflammation are uh, so uh, others can be um, especially if people have wheat sensitivity or gluten sensitivity or poor intestinal linings due to other assaults on the body. But gluten uh, that you find in wheat is very inflammatory uh, to the body system. And in fact, uh, the, the the wheat, the gluten in wheat, has a protein pro- profile that very much. And so if it get, if that if that protein gets into the bloodstream, our bodies produce antibodies. Our immune system produces antibodies to that protein. It's very similar to the antibodies that get presented on our thyroid glands. So people that have Hashimoto's or thyroid issues may actually be having a gluten issue that if you clean up the gluten out of your diet, your thyroid issues may go away or improve. Mm-hmm. And so that's uh, uh, so, so the, the glutens that we get out of, out of wheat-based products is very damaging to our so body. So the reverse of this then would be... Foods that maybe can help uh, ward off, or reduce inflammation, or so some great foods to to help that um, in terms of uh, uh, some seasoning types foods, but ginger and turmeric, uh, 
are, are great anti-inflammatory foods. Uh, foods that are high in fish oil or um, uh, the EPA, DHA, uh, those uh, produce anti-inflammatory prostaglandins in our body, so it helps ward off inflammation. And then um, uh, coconut is actually a, a wonderful food that is uh, very anti-inflammatory. Coconut oils, coconut fats are very good for Black cherries are as well. Black cherries, yes. Black cherries are good. Um, and uh, avocados are very good as uh, anti-inflammatory. And so a lot of these things that, um, that uh, we eat, Again, and a lot of people are individually different, and so you, a person needs to kind of test and figure out what works for them, what doesn't. Yeah. Okay. Again, let's let's now uh, talk a little bit about business, and you know the Chinese virus now it's impacted mm-hmm. business, and I'm specifically saying Chinese virus because I believe, and I think most common sense people accept that it originated in China. We called it the Spanish flu. Uh, I don't see any reason why not calling it what it is. At any rate, my guest is Dr. Eric Dahl. This is Jeffrey Candelaria, Straight Talk with Jeffrey Candelaria. We're with you every Saturday from 1 to 2 p.m. on 1600 a.m. So you're a small business owner, mm-hmm. and I know this for a fact because I've had to, actually, you've had to cancel a couple of appointments with me because some yeah. of your expert, you know, specialists have left to other things. Right. And, and supplanting or replacing them has been a difficult situation which is a a supply chain issue just like you know little little eric doll he's eight years old running his little train it may not be there for christmas so there's a labor shortage because of this virus because lots of reasons talk about what it has been like to the survivability of a small business during the chinese virus for going on two years now it has been it has been very very difficult um there's definitely been some ups and downs along the way but again, as you bring up, and it's really becoming a a supply chain issue. Now we've been far enough into the pandemic. Um, we've had you know many mitigation steps on both a personal level and you know you know institutional level, governmental level. So you know as an as as our economy, we should be recovering pretty well, and people should be returning to the workforce. And of course, we can't tell people what to do. However, what we are finding in, in the workforce is that, is that people have been wanting to either change careers or just not come back to work or have gotten so used to working from their own home setting environment that they do not want to come back to working in another business environment. So, yes, it has been, been difficult trying to fi- uh, hi- find and hire people that, that, that don't you know, want to work. You make an interesting point because I talk to economists all the time just because that's what I do. Uh, partly for my business and partly because I'm a curious guy, is economists at the national level have said openly, oh, things are going to come back to economic normalcy because people are going to go want to go back to movies and eating pizza and going to ball games or whatever. In certain sectors, that's true. Mm-hmm. But in a lot of sectors, people are not going to go back to way to their old ways of doing what they did. They're just not doing it. Right. So that economic... Uh, principle theory is spurious and false right and it has consequences because if you're not coming back to normalcy in all sectors of business and lifestyle Mm -hmm. that means you have less economic robust activity right you have less less tax uh you know participation and it has inflammation uh uh, inflation uh you know manifestation right and it has supply chain 
manifestation because right. people rec- need to recognize one of the reasons why we don't have stuff right in in in, in a, on our shelves like we do yeah. is the truck drivers there aren't as many of those mm-hmm. they ultimately have to transport you know whatever right the people that load from the docks in LA and at these ports in Seattle yep. you don't have the same longshoremen that were there before and you may not have them again right. in those same numbers. Well, it, it, it's funny because I was listening to that on the radio coming over here, but the whole, you know, the, the, the economic model, again, that we grew up in and things like that, the whole, you know, you know consumer, uh, supply and consumer model that, that we've lived our whole lives in economically has been upended by this virus. Our, con- our consumer demand has not changed. We still want stuff. We just don't have the suppliers, the people who want to produce it. And getting back specifically to my business, in, in this in this case, I you know in in Apollo Chiropractic, you know there are some positions, key positions that that we would like to fill, and we're having a difficult time, um, in particular with the um, massage therapy that massage therapy schools here in Albuquerque closed for a couple of years, a uh, year and a half, and so there's two schools that have recently reopened, but uh, the number of graduates coming out of the schools is not many at this time. And so it is a very competitive market to find massage therapists to work for you. And that's one of the key components of your business. It is. So, you know, this, and and to re-remind our listeners, and I know you and I probably disagree on this, but we can't disagree on government, whether it's at the state or federal level, decided to shut down sectors of the of the economy. Yeah. It was not, the virus itself didn't do that. Government said you're non-essential. You're shutting down. Right. So let's keep that in mind. And I think a lot of the population has forgotten mm-hmm. that this thing called the Chinese virus, in and of itself, did what it did to our economy. No, uh, the Biden policies, uh, this little governor of ours policies to shut down businesses, did it along with the psychology of the disease along with the disease itself. You've got three things happening at the same time. Right. The way people psychologically respond or not respond to the disease, mm-hmm. uh, the way the disease itself has affected people's individual health situations, and the way that government has shut down sectors of the business. Mm-hmm. So it's three things. It's a very complicated calculus here. But make no mistake about it, your business was affected mm-hmm. partly because of the supply chain issue, which is a function of the disease itself, but it's also a function of policies mm-hmm. that shut down certain sectors right. that impact you as a small business person. Right, right, and that's and that's true, and there's no there's no getting around that. But you know what I the, I think the point that I'm trying to make is at this point, either, and I of course I think you and I would like to kind of go back to the way things were in terms of you know our standard model of of, of supply and consumers. Um, and it's maybe not that way anymore. And, and so trying to reinvent our business to still meet the needs of, of, you know, our patients and clients that, that we absolutely love working with, that it has changed. And, and I we, don't think, you know, and, and I keep reminding people, I don't believe that things are going to ever be what they were March and prior to that 2020. Right. Is that good, bad, or ugly? I don't know. But it's not. Even I have a good friend that runs a movie theater chain. And again, it's somewhat anecdotal, but not so much. He says that folks aren't going to come back to movie theaters like they did before. Mm-hmm. And again, that's just a small little example. Right. But to that industry, whether you like it or not, that right. industry employs something like 3.7 million people, he was saying, directly mm-hmm. and indirectly. And if half of those people don't do what they did before, right. they're going to have to do something else. 
And what is that something else right. in our economy? So, you know, that's why this is an interesting dynamic it's because very interesting. just because people are displaced right. doesn't mean there's going to be all these other jobs in some in other sectors, even though right. we see signs that say now hiring. Right. A lot of those now, now, now hiring signs are for, late, you know, like blue collar or labor intensive kinds of jobs. Right. Not necessarily the higher skill jobs. So right. this whole calculus is is going to be interesting in the, as as to how it unfurls over the next three to five years or decade. Right, right. Uh, there's 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 no doubt about it. And so it, as a business owner, again, we need to figure out how, how this is going to change our, our lives. And I know you were a small business owner and it changed your life. It did. And so it, there's there's just no, no getting around it. That so what have you done as a small business owner to make some adjustments during this Chinese virus? And what do you see as your model may be changing going out of it? That's a good question. Uh, I, I, right now, I, I, what we've done to adjust is is basically tried to make our environment as clean and safe and, and welcoming to our, our, our patients coming in so they don't feel fearful coming in um, because of, of the, the great fear that's been, sp- been spread about, about the virus. We've taken due diligence and precautions and, you know, with... with um, uh, just good common sense. A lot of this can be, you know, the the effects of the virus or contracting the virus can be avoided. Um, but because you're in a contact business, uh, absolutely, you're not in a, you know, here's your here's your, you know, exchange behind right. a glass or whatever the hell those dumb things are. By the way, those don't work. Those little membranes. Studies have demonstrated. It. Anyway, so you're yeah. in a contact business. You're, right. So the psychology of your client has to be such they feel confident. Yes. That your place is disinfected. At, hospital grade levels and all of that right right and so but uh moving forward again uh because it's it's um a business and 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 in this terms of of the the healthcare field and chiropractic it's very much like you said a contact business so my therapies uh are done both manipulation by contact massage therapy has to be done by contact and so we you know in in that sense kind of still need to be in that traditional mode of being able to find and hire a massage therapist um, to uh, to you know fill that aspect in in, in the business, and so it's a, it's a, it, you know it can be a very rewarding career, but people have become very fearful about getting yeah. close to one another. Jeffrey Candler here, straight talk with Jeffrey Candler. Just got a couple of minutes with Doctor Eric Dahl, owner of Chiropractic uh, or Apollo Chiropractic. So clearly, clearly, I'm surmising, and I think you just said this. Some of your clients are fearful still of going into a contact environment because right. they're just scared right right yeah not only clients but uh i think people wanting to work in a contact environment uh yeah very good the, the providers the themselves, providers themselves the workers right so right. hence the labor shortage on your end right because of the psychology of the disease impacting do they want to get into that kind of business exactly. even though maybe they did it before exactly yeah. exactly so these yeah. are very consequential circumstances that is that second layer that i talked about right the psychology of the chinese virus has as profound of a, as a fact, I think, as the policies do, and even more so than maybe the disease itself, how we mm-hmm. view the virus versus right. what it really actually does in real space and time. Right, right, right. So, so we only have like a minute or so left. Your contact mm-hmm. information, any concluding thoughts? Yes. Uh, so, uh, again, Dr. Eric Dahl of Apollo Chiropractic Health and Wellness, uh, Albuquerque's West Side. Our phone number, 505-792-3311. And in some closing thoughts is that as we are 
you know, finishing up our second year of the coronavirus again. Um, and we didn't even talk about the, in terms of the, this is October is the National Chiropractic Health Month as far as the, uh, American Chiropractic Association goes. Movement is the key. Movement is life. Yeah. Get up and move. And that's the, the theme that, uh, all chiropractors are, or we should really be talking about because the virus has slowed us down and we need to keep moving. Movement is life. So, you know, if I could tell anything to, to the listeners out there, keep moving, try to live healthy and, get through this and you'll be better off yeah range of motion also inside that whole idea of movement is so important it is and uh you know once again i i use an inversion table uh, i i i stretch out i mean i have issues but you helped me and have reminded me how important it is to move all right. the time as much as i can and even with injuries and again we're not giving mm-hmm. advice but i've noted and i think eddie uh, eragon is saying we've got about couple of minutes here, so I um, we will have two. When I've had injuries like sprains and things, mm-hmm. instead of the old, oh, just rest it, right. I've actually challenged that joint and that issue. Yes. And I think it has absolutely accelerated the uh, convalescence uh, process. Yes, and, and that's, you know, short of you actually breaking a bone or having, a you know, some sort of fracture in the joint uh, or, or gross instability, movement of that joint is very important. You'll notice after and it's counterintuitive, yeah. in a lot of ways. Oh, right? yeah, but the first thing you do after like an ACL repair the, in the in the hospital, they put you on a machine that gets that joint moving. Yeah. Every time you move that joint, you're pumping fresh. But in the old in days, there. oh yeah, they may have just rested that joint for a week or whatever it might have been. Right, right, right. right. And it, again, with everything you try to do, be functional with it. If even if you have an injury, do not limp. That's what I have to tell my, my people. Even if you're sore or hurt. Do not limp. Limps become permanent, and then you got Then you, it's really hard to get back to normal. And so, even if something hurts, try to walk on it or do whatever you do without grossly affecting the normal motion in that joint. And then, again, from a business point of view, anything that you'd like to advise our listeners if they've had a small business or thinking about during you know the survivability of the Chinese virus, what to do, what not to do, any other small business tips. As well, we conclude, yeah, that's a, that's a, a good one. In in the fact that uh, uh, we're all out there trying to support one another, and as a small business owner, we like to help other small businesses. And so, it, you know, even within the range of of the network of small businesses, we got to be supportive of one another. You know, lend that helping hand when you can. You know, support the other local small businesses. Uh, especially the mom and pop shops, because that's that, that's their bread and butter. They don't have any kind of corporation support, and uh, and supporting small business is is really supporting your family. Straight talk with Jeffrey Candelaria. Got about thirty seconds. Thank you, Doctor Eric Dahl, for being a guest. And I think again, what we've gleaned from the show is consult with your doctor, because science and health, and they're both part of the same model, if you will, construct. Mm-hmm. They're changing. It's evolving. Yeah, You know, what was 20 years ago, not necessarily anymore. So remember that science and health and the way we treat sickness, it's, a, it's an evolving construct. It is. So consult your doctor. Thank you, Dr. Eric Dahl, Jeffrey Candelaria, Straight Talk with Jeffrey Candelaria. Thank you, Eddie Aragon, for producing Straight Talk with Jeffrey Candelaria.